Well, today we're joined by not one, but two special guests on the Emerging Cricket Podcast as we do a status update on the Cricket World Cup qualifier playoff. Uh, of course, the uh, tournament which determines both IODI status for the upcoming Challenge League teams uh, and the, the bottom two League Two teams, as well as uh, the top two teams in the tournament progressing to the Cricket World Cup qualifier later in the year. The special guests, of course, are Bertus de Jong. Welcome, Bertus. Oh, thanks, Nick. Pleasure to be here. And Paul Radley of the National in the UAE. Hi, oh, yeah. good to speak to you, mate. Yes, uh, this is making me very jealous of, uh, of you guys down in Namibia. Uh, the Safari Court Hotel, of course, a lovely spot, but um, the Wi-Fi situation kind of made me uh, realise maybe I made the right decision not to not to join you. Well, yeah, it's been a bit dodgy, but it seems to be holding up at the moment. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope it stays that way for the next uh, for the next few minutes at least. Well, we'll just run through the results so far. Uh, today being a rest day, uh, we've seen on the first day's play, Namibia kick things off against the USA. The visitors in that one too good. Uh, USA won by 80 runs. Then on the 27th, the UAE beat Papua New Guinea pretty comfortably in the end, but uh, PNG. Looked like they were uh, heading for a victory with a massive opening partnership before collapsing in very PNG style. Uh, UAE posted 260, but the PNG boys were bowled out for 239. Uh, meanwhile, on the same day, Canada uh, edged out Jersey, posting 238 uh, in their 50 overs and bowling out Jersey for 207. And then after a rest day on the 29th, Canada and the USA played their ongoing rivalry, uh, which I believe is the 114th time they met in uh, official Canada versus USA fashion, not including um, various sort of gentlemen of Canada versus Philadelphia uh, kind of things in the early days of the rivalry. But uh, yes, well over 100 times they've played each other over uh, around 170 years, 180 years. So it's a storied rivalry and Canada continued their recent dominance by beating the USA in very tight game actually. Canada posted 198 all out and the US were bowled out for 172. Uh, Meanwhile across town on the 29th it was the complete opposite. It was a run fest. Namibia posted 381 for 8 in 50 overs which is the highest uh, ODI team score uh, for an associate and PNG amazingly after basically four years of their their batting being incredibly fragile they they looked pretty good to chase it for most of most of the game but were eventually bowled out for 333 uh, then on the 30th jersey couldn't really do much against namibia uh, posted 213 and the namibians chased it down in just over 30 overs with eight wickets to spare the usa got another win on the board edged out the uae uh, who posted 279, and the USA got over the line with an over to spare, the main story there being a century to young player Sateja Mukamala. Now, Bertus and Radders, you were both at various games here. Just talk us through the atmosphere. Uh, I can hear some people laughing in the background at the Safari Court Hotel. Uh, the teams are all there together. What's it been like uh, down in Namibia so far? Um, yeah, well, you know, cricket and Namibia always do a great job with these tournaments. And I think uh, while Namibia would have been quite disappointed to be playing in this tournament, it's certainly been uh, better for the bar revenue at Wanderers to, to have the local boys participating. <laughs> um, you'll remember, of course, what it's like there. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a great atmosphere. And, yeah, as again, the surfaces here held up pretty well. Um, United, weirdly, being the, the better batting track of the two from what we've seen. But yeah, all, all around so far, the tournament seems to be running pretty smoothly. And um, yeah, no complaints on our own. Yeah, so I've only just 
arrived uh, the day before yesterday. So, because I was doing the Afghanistan-Pakistan series, so I missed right, the right. UA's first match in PNG. Um, so I got in for the first time yesterday for the USA. The United States of America against United Arab Emirates at United Ground in Vintage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got in uh, just in time. So I was at uh, I was at Wanderers for the opening game, the host against uh, the United States. And then, uh, yeah, got along to United to see Jersey make their ODI debut the following day. And yeah, yesterday I, uh, I started off at Wanderers but that game, as you know, finished rather quickly with Van Lingen and Erasmus making pretty short work of that chase. So then I jumped in the taxi over to United for the United versus United at United, where Paul and I were reunited. <laughs> nice. Um, so, so far, looks like Namibia, they stumbled against the USA, but they've they've looked pretty good on the batting side. And, and this was kind of something we thought might happen. Uh, they're very short on bowling, but their, their batting isn't too depleted. And yeah, I mean, Van Lingen's shaping up to be a, a really bright talent for them. What have you made of the home team losing that first game against the US? Obviously not ideal. Good home support. Do you think they'll manage to get through to the qualifier based on their performances so far? I'd say they're definitely still in with a shot. And yeah, like ahead of the tournament, the injuries and unavailabilities they had, we thought were going to affect the bowling probably a little more than the batting. Though it is also still a fairly, like a comparatively inexperienced team, um, especially without Visa in the in the middle order. And I think what you saw on the first game against the United States, they actually bowled comparatively well. I thought Congo's bowled well and, and the newcomer Sean Fouché, um, they both stepped up impressively, but they are, of course, somewhat reliant now on, on Gerard Erasmus in the middle order to provide either stability or you know, up the scoring rate. I think if you ask him to do one or the other, it's pretty clear he can he can do that. But if you ask him to do both, um, then he, you know, it's a it's a it's a lot to put in his shoulders. And you see that if Erasmus fails, um, that the the batting does look brittle. If still, like certainly with the addition of Davin uh, at the top, probably more of the sort of traditional glass cannon, uh, explosive but but brittle lineup that we used to see from from Namibia maybe five or six years ago. So if the batting does come off, and at the moment it looks like, oh well, obviously Erasmus is in, in fine nick and Fun Lingen has, has sort of stepped up there as well. If the batting holds up, I think they'll be able to post scores that they should be able to defend or chase. There's not doesn't look like there's a, a score you could you could set them that they wouldn't be able to chase. So they're absolutely in with a shot. But yeah, that heavy defeat uh, in the opening game has obviously put them on the back foot. While they've, they've certainly recovered their net run rate situation pretty impressively. Yeah, so I think it's, at the moment, looking at the table, the table I think is, is pretty accurate that Canada have the early running and then the States and, and Namibia are probably the two biggest contenders to take uh, to take the other spot. Yeah, and just on that batting order, Nico Davin is one I was very interested to see included. He hadn't uh, played for Namibia or, or really been close to the team for a couple of years now. What did you make of his batting? Because uh, you, <laughs> in the past, he's definitely been one of those kind of boom or bust guys, and it seems like that's been borne out here. He's got one score of 90 off not that many deliveries and a couple of single figure, or I think he might have even got a duck in the first game. Um, so kind of uh, doing the, uh, the old uh, Lewis van der Westhausen, a uh, bit of a throwback to those days. Yeah, I think he's that sort of player. Um, and you've seen he's made heaps of runs in the domestic competition here in Namibia recently. And he is back in the team. He was, I think, yeah, I think there was maybe some sort of politics around that was keeping him out of the squad because you'd think that certainly he would be a valuable option to have at the top, certainly in T20. But he's come back in now. And, well, he didn't look comfortable against Ali Khan, but nobody really has. Uh, whether, yeah, okay, it is, of course, a step up 
yeah, in level from domestic cricket here. But he's yeah, I think we picked him as I picked him as one to watch um, ahead of the tournament. And yeah, boom or bust, I think is probably what you can expect from him. We'll get to you in a second, I promise, Rudders. But um, just just continuing the uh, the Namibia analysis, the other one I, I'm interested. You mentioned Shikongo because. I'm watching on a stream uh, thousands of kilometers away, but it does seem like he's he's improved somewhat uh, over the last well last few months, even like the back end of their League Two campaign. He he seemed to be um, just getting it in the right spot, and you know needs to be a bit more accurate given he doesn't quite have that that pace. What do, what have you made of his bowling, Bertus? Well, yeah, um, Nick, you said you're um, you're watching from uh, from a stream from a thousand miles away, but you do at least have a view over the bowler's arm there, uh, which is sadly something that's denied to us at both grounds. But looking at the looking at the results of Chicago with the new ball, like he's consistently beating the bat uh, and and taking poles. Yeah, so he's been you know called up to take that that spearhead role, and yeah, so far I've been impressed. Like he's been expensive at times when he's come back for a second spell, but yeah, I think it's it's. Um, he, he has impressed, and it's a testament to the, the depth of, of bowling stocks that, uh, that maybe you do have, that even when you take out three or four first-choice bowlers, that you can throw the, the ball to Bench of Congo and you can do a job for you. Now, Radders, the USA, UAE, United Ground uh, reuniting with Burtis game. Uh, what did you make of the UAE? I thought their batting was quite good in that game. Asif Khan, again, with a with a very fast 100. Vrija Aravind coming out of a kind of lean run. He seems to be making some scores again. Uh, the bowling couldn't quite hold it together. They they were tidy in the middle. Uh, they managed to kind of get the required rate up, but they they didn't get the key wicket of, uh, of Simon Kamala, and, and that ultimately was the difference. Um, how, how did you rate them? Yeah, I'd see it slightly different to you, actually, Nick, because I thought, you, you bear in mind that they were playing at the same ground where there was the 380 against the 333 the day before. I true, think true. to make 280 was a, was a long way short of par, actually. In fact, Asif Khan, after the game, said that they were at least 30 short, and I think he was correct in that one. They've been, obviously, they've been so inconsistent for such a long time. If they make the score of 280... That feels like an achievement for them. In actual fact, the batting has clicked just lately. To the last two games of the Nepal um, series, uh, and then the first two games here, they've they've been high 200s and actual fact past 300 in one of those games, which is much better, a vast improvement of what had gone before. But I still think yesterday they're a little bit short. Just inconsistencies that have plagued them for a, for a quite a long time now. I think the spirit in the camp is a lot better than it was, but they still portray these inconsistencies. So yesterday, again, as, been, as has been the case for quite a few games recently, there were a couple of really poor run-outs, miscommunication that really hamstrung them. In actual fact, Asif said that the one that involved him and Rahan Mustafa, that accounted for Rahan Mustafa, was probably a pivotal point in the game, and it stopped them getting those 30 mm. extra runs. That might have been vital. Um, but then... With the bowling, the bowling was fine on a pretty flat, very flat wicket and a high-scoring ground, but they were really let down by their fielding. Fielding was pretty loose. And bearing in mind, they've got a pretty young team now, UAE. I think they were, they were very disappointed with that. So uh, I think there are promising touch signs for the UAE team. But for, for some reason, it's also the United States, the opposition, they're complete. I don't know what the word is, but they just kept, for some reason, they got a real sign over the UAE. They played six times in ODI cricket. And UAE have only won one of those games. When I think they're pretty evenly matched teams, if you look at the personnel, and that's fact you might even suggest that on top of their game, if both teams play to their potential, UA might even be the better team. So it's a strange 
run of results. But um, yeah, it's borne out again yesterday. Yeah, a bit of a psychological aspect, maybe in a similar way to the US often stumbling against Canada in recent times, even though. Uh, you know, Canada's down in the Challenge League. Just, yeah, on the UAE's kind of off-field stuff, we know that they sacked slash uh, parted ways slash uh, moved on, whatever you want to call it, uh, with Robin Singh just before the tournament. Do you have any more information about uh, how that all kind of played out? Because it seemed kind of abrupt, even though, in my opinion at least, his, uh, you know, his results were not great as a head coach. And... So sort of supplementary to that, who is currently acting as the head coach? Did did Ahmed Raza take over as head coach uh, or, or is he still the assistant? So Ahmed Raza is here as the assistant coach and has a lot of say in it, actually. I'd have thought he, he'd be uh, pretty vocal in the dressing room and things like that. But in actual fact, the interim head coach is Madas Nazar, who was the um, former Pakistan all-rounder, one of the Pakistan greats. Um, but he, he's, so he's been in the UAE for quite a while now in... Um, sort of development roles or high-performance coaching roles based at the uh, ICC Academy. He'd been in charge of the under-19s team, went to the last World Cup, so he knows a lot of, obviously, the young players graduated from that setup. He knows them very well. He's uh, he's sort of nice, uh, good figurehead, really, sort of safe pair of hands in this position because he's uh, he's got a good demeanour about him. He's got good perspective on uh, on life and cricket. Um, yeah, so they're pretty lucky to, lucky to, well, I'd say lucky they, they appointed him to, to his role at the ECB, you know, a long, a long while ago. So it's, it's no luck that he was there, but it, it's good that he can fill in in a situation like this. In terms of Robinson going, as you said, the run that he'd overseen was just not good enough, really. They were pretty happy to appoint him three years ago as perhaps like a, a celebrity face, you know, with a, with a pretty good coaching CV, to be honest. But I just don't think he was ever at any point just the right fit for this team. Um, and that was born out with, I think it was t- uh, 20 defeats in his last 27 games in all cricket. So, um, you know, it really wasn't good enough. So I think when his contract ended, uh, they acted to, you know, not to continue um, having him in that, in that role. Yeah, I mean, I've never been convinced about this thing of kind of working the UAE around his uh, his commitments in India and doing some Zoom coaching and sort of flying in, flying out. I, I think you're always better off with the coaches you know, there on the ground with the team. Do you think the players are happy with the change? Uh, were they struggling under Singh? And, and do you think that the sort of the, the change of personnel is part of the reason they're, they're coming together now? I'd say that's exactly right. Yeah, I think uh, morale within the team is very, very low towards the end of uh, Ruben Singh's tenure. Obviously, it was a very emotional, tempestuous last game they had in Nepal with the way it finished, the DLS and the bad light and all that sort of stuff. And, and the crowd, obviously, it was an incredible crowd um, and tensions were sort of rising towards the end there. So it's understandable that it was all reaching sort of, a, you know, like a tipping point at that stage. But um yeah, morale was pretty low by that point. And I just think it's good that everybody now feels they've got a clean slate. They're starting, for, you know, you know they they can prove themselves with their performances with no hang-ups and no, you know, no, you know, not saying that Robin Singh had uh, favourites or anything like that, but obviously all coaches have players that they prefer. That's how, that's how they select their teams. But now everybody has got the chance to start again. Um, and they realise that if they perform, they'll, they'll have a chance. So you'd imagine that they can look ahead with a bit more optimism because of that. Yeah, and I mean, this, I think back to the UAE sort of a, a year or two ago, and we were, we were thinking they're one of the more exciting teams going around in the associate world. And, you know, the wheels really fell off in, in recent times. So hopefully they can get back on track because they, they do have a lot of talented youngsters coming through the under-19s program. 
Um, speaking of talented youngsters, though, what did you make of Simon Kamala's ton there for the USA? I thought it was absolutely terrific. You couldn't, if you were looking from, from a distance, well, like Bertha said before, we don't always have the most ideal vantage points at these grounds. If you're looking from a distance, you wouldn't know he's an 18 year old with just a handful of uh, ODI matches uh, to his name. It was absolutely class, the innings he played yesterday. You know, any, any of the senior players like that, if you look at Aaron Jones, he could have played that innings and you'd have expected it from him because he's, he's done it in the past in international cricket. Young lad like that to play that, having not got runs the day before against Canada, it was highly impressive. I thought, as you must point out, like it was, it was a good wicket. And that's even then, like if you're, if you're going in and knowing that it's a good wicket and you've got a chance, that can actually keep even more pressure on you, uh, because you know, you've got a chance and, you, and you've really got to cash in, but he just played it just perfectly. It's just timed it well, made a, made his run towards the end to up the scoring rate, having kept it sort of at the, just at the ideal sort of rate all the way through. It was, it was really classy stuff, I must say. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I just yeah, entirely echo Paul's sentiments there. Like, I only saw uh, the back end of his innings, but just watching the scorecard, he's, he's building partnerships with, with, you know, his captain, with his vice captain. He's always taken the role of the senior player. And this is like an 18-year-old kid, only, you know, just at the start of his ODI career. And yeah, it, it was a flat wicket, but, you know, you still have to make the runs um, and you have to, you know, you have to make them smart. And I think it's it's very it was just very impressive looking how just how composed uh, and in control he looked out there just to to almost bat the UAE just out of the game and that he took that role you know building partnerships with with senior players but it was it was very much his innings that kept um, that kept that chase on track yeah and I think he's probably going to be the, the you know one of the core players in this upcoming generation of of young USA players as, as they. Uh, build towards the future. Just on the pitch there at United, though, I, I remember when we were there four years ago, it was it was kind of sluggish. It wasn't uh, playing particularly well. And suddenly we have Namibia against PNG, the highest match aggregate uh, in, in all ODIs involving two associates. Uh, <laughs> what, what have they been doing? Just rolling it nonstop for a couple of years? Well, I mean, there were hints when we got here. I was I was speaking to some of the, the local boys just before the tournament, and they were saying yeah, that United... Uh, is a is a much improved batting track, and yeah. When I when I when I first when I first uh, got there, actually, I noticed that the um, the score the scoreboard was still showing the scores from a local club game, uh, which was three uh, it was three hundred plus plays three hundred plus. So then, yeah, you kind of think, well, we might actually be in for something here, and yeah, so it proved in that maybe a PNG game, uh, which broke all sorts of records. The outfield also looks. Uh, Still not quite as good as uh, Wanderers, maybe, but a lot better than when, yeah, when we when we were here last. So yeah, how they've uh, how they've pulled that together, I'm not quite sure. But yes, it, it looks like an absolute road of a sudden. Just to be a little bit self-indulgent, uh, we we've talked about the pitch, but how's the bar and the uh, the the food service up there at, at United? Still good? Oh, absolutely no complaints. So Nico's bar now they've uh, they've dropped the franchise, so it's no longer Dross. Nico has put his own name on it. Oh, good. And uh, yeah, no, Paul and I. Uh, we we hung around a good while after the game yesterday. I was say, yeah, yeah, you're, you're missing wifi. out. Yeah. Wi-Fi. I needed to get the stories done from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, good Wi-Fi and good food. You you can't go wrong. Um, so yeah, looking at the other side of the you know the losing side in that run fest, PNG. You know, after four years of being close to her, well, I mean, hopeless is probably a bit mean, but. You know, they're the last ranked team in League Two for a good reason. Charles Amini decides now's a good time to hit, what, a 70-ball ton? Uh, the first time he's hit a century in ODI cricket for PNG. And, uh, you know, that stat alone kind of uh, demonstrates the fact that 
PNG's batting just hasn't been good enough. Is it purely a case of, you know, having a, a flat deck or do you think something's changed and, and they're in the, you know, fight or flight mode playing for their, uh, you know, figurative survival? Well, I, I mean, I hesitate to offer too much of an opinion uh, because I was uh, I was at Wanderers for the, for that game. So I, I sadly missed uh, CJ's innings. But yeah, it's I think it's just... <laughs> It's it's almost so typical of PNG that they seem to suddenly remember how to how to bat with that kind of sort of fluency and and, and positive intent, and then still manage to to lose twice. <laughs> it's almost yeah, it's like it is at the least positive. It's great to see that not just um, CJ Meany, of course, but also Tony Ura made making runs uh, in their first game and Kipman Dariga at the top. That you, you kind of forget after a run of results like what PNG had, how much like talent there is in that team, uh, and you know why they were playing at that level in the first place and it's yeah it's a bit of it's obviously a bit of a shame for them that they've put on some of their best batting now uh in two games and um come away with with nothing to show for it well that first match against uae was uh uh yeah a classic png you know i think they were, were they none for 150 something along those lines yeah going at like eight or something it was it was quite extraordinary and and you thought wow okay they're 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 absolutely romping home and then just yeah they lost all 10 wickets for under 100 runs. Uh, no one else got past 20, I think. Um, yeah, pretty pretty dismal stuff after that. So, you know, the fact they didn't just totally collapse after the openers got out uh, in that second game may be an improvement, but they are running out of road. Um, looking across, though, at their rivals uh, in the kind of relegation zone, Jersey have lost two and Canada have uh, won two. Uh, you've been able to watch both of those games. Yeah, well, what what have you made of the other two teams that are kind of on the chopping block slash on the you know <laughs> on on the hunt for promotion? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I actually, as you know, I've I've picked not with any confidence, but I picked Canada to actually to win this tournament ahead, and I'm I'm actually they've got two wins on the board now, but I'm actually slightly less confident about that than I was before. But they do still look like just a very well balanced team. They have these you know these these spin all rounders in in Dutta and uh, and Bin Zafa that gives them like a remarkable amount of depth, uh, which they've needed because the top order um, has, has fallen over a couple of times, but it has gotten to the score and the discipline that they've got with the ball and that uh, new ball partnership with Stana and, uh, and Gordon at the top has proved pretty effective. So I, I sort of, I don't think at this stage you can see um, Canada stumbling. Uh, whether they make top two, I would still back them to do that. I think that the strengths that that we identified in the in the side before uh, the tournament are there, even if the top order is not necessarily uh, showing any kind of consistency. But I think Canada, you'd have to say they need one more win maybe to be safe, especially the fact they already have this this the win over Jersey, and that of course is one aspect that we we maybe didn't look at before the tournament. Um, that came as a bit of a surprise to me uh, that when I spoke to uh, tournament director Chris uh, Chiqueta, the new Pathways uh, manager from the ICC. Uh, that he told me that the first tiebreaker is going to be head-to-head result rather than net run rate, which makes those those games between the sort of potential relegation candidates uh, even more important. And yeah, Jersey, I think at this stage, will be almost grateful for that because their net run rate's taken a pretty serious hit and they play UAE in the last game. So that could actually end up that could actually end up being decisive if Jersey get a win tomorrow. But it also means that tomorrow's game, Jersey versus PNG, is not quite arithmetically, but I think for all practical purposes 
pretty much an eliminator at this point. Yeah, that'll that'll be an exciting one. Uh, yeah, the the jersey. It seems like they're not quite making the step up to this level. Is, is that a fair statement? Uh, you know, they're they're batting in Challenge League is a lot more explosive than it's looked here. Uh, is it? You know, they 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 played on that United track and they they struggled to get past two hundred. Yeah, I, I'm not so convinced. About Jersey here, uh, they're they're lacking a bit of bite with the bowling. Uh, Chuggy Pashad, of course, is accurate, and and their their bowlers sort of toil hard, but they they don't really have that cut through that uh, you, you might need taking it a step up. Yeah, well, I should say it wasn't the same depth that they played on at United. I don't think. I think that was a the uh, Namibia PNG game was on a new wicket. But yeah, I'd say I think we thought ahead of the tournament that there was a chance that their bowling might uh, get found out here. That they just they need to get more assistance from the pitch. I think for their seamers to be effective. And Julius Summerauer has looked um, pretty dangerous in the new ball. He's actually bowling a bit quicker than I than uh, than I've seen him bowl before. And otherwise, yeah, their, their bowling is sort of it's it's decent at Challenge League level, but I think we were worried that it might get found out here, and that's certainly uh, Erasmus and Van Lingen look utterly untroubled at Wanderers yesterday. Uh, the batting, well, it's, it's a young top order, and the top order is their strength. Um, you know, Greenwood, Lawrence, and Carlisle, and, and uh, young Ace Tribe. The, uh, these guys are you know between 18 and, and I think the oldest maybe 23. So maybe it's maybe it's a cycle too soon for them. But yeah, the, they obviously face a pretty tough equation at this point. They need to be, win their game tomorrow, and then they will need to win their last game uh, against the UAE and hope that um, other results go their way. I think there's a lot of promise in this jersey side. Chagi Bashad is the oldest at, at 30 years old, so I think that yeah, I think maybe it's just one cycle too soon for them. And looking as well at the USA uh, in a little bit more detail, you know, you mentioned Jersey's uh, weak bowling attack. Uh, the USA, you know, Ali Khan joining that bowling attack makes it look so much stronger. You know, it's amazing how one guy makes such a difference. He was pretty much unplayable against Namibia. Uh, the Canadians really struggled against him early on. Interestingly, the UAE managed to handle him pretty effectively. Radley, what do you what do you think uh, was the difference there in that game? Was it just because the, the track was so flat? Yeah, flat. Uh, track, in a track, UAE batters, top order batters, sometimes can be a bit like that. They, when there's a bit more extra pace on the ball, like if you, if you just uh, think back a week or two, PNG's you know gentle medium pace has been real kryptonite for uh, for the UAE batters. <laughs> yes, actually, <laughs> been a bit of extra pace on it, and and they're in a real challenge as well against the bowler who's obviously you know of great renown, Ali Khan. Um, it seems like they they switch their focus on. I must say they had a little bit of luck yesterday got a few sort of flashy shots away that that um you know didn't didn't go to the fielders and, and raced away because I must say that the United outfield also is very very fast so they're getting good value for their shots when Ali Khan's obviously got a little bit more pace on on the ball than uh, than everybody else but yeah it might just be the case that you know, and obviously Ali Khan's played a you know a fair amount of games uh in in a short amount of time which is, isn't something that he's done a huge amount of down the years so it's obviously his third game there yesterday so that might have had a little bit to do with it um, I do remember noticing yesterday that he was getting a bit riled with some of his fielders I think maybe he felt a few of those guys let him down I remember one of the fielders punched the ball from Asif Khan just as he was closing in on his 100 punch one over the rope or might have been one bounce over the rope um, the very next ball the 12th man came on and 
didn't get the ball in quite to Ali Khan's liking and there was a bit of a rare up there. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just, um, just a, a few different factors probably played into that why Ali Khan was a bit more expensive yesterday. Yeah, nothing better in associate cricket than Ali Khan getting passionate. Uh, love to see it, except when it's against Canada. But um, looking ahead, you know, we're basically at the halfway point in the tournament. Uh, the UAE, uh, one victory, one loss. The USA, two victories, one loss. Canada, two wins from two. Namibia, two wins, one loss. PNG, two losses. And Jersey, two losses. You know, where do you see this kind of going at the back end of the tournament? Do you think the UAE can do enough uh, to, to sort of leapfrog their way into that top uh, the, the top two? Or, or do you think they're pretty much just gunning for keeping their ODI status and, and their spot in League Two? It's really difficult to give a definitive answer to that because if UAE play to their potential, I think they're the best team in this competition personally. They're the team I see most of, so probably I would say that. But they have been so infrequent in playing anywhere near their potential in the recent past that um, you know you can't necessarily see that happening. They've got a couple of very difficult games right in you know uh, in simultaneous days now coming up. Canada against Namibia. That's going to be hard for them. They should. I mean that. Really, with the resources, the, the, the playing resources they've got, facilities they've got back in UAE, they should be pushing for the top two in this competition. They, uh, they, they really should. And their morale, even though they lost again against United States yesterday, um, the morale is still pretty high. So um, I think they'll they'll be pushing for uh, pushing for top two. Uh, well, that'll be their their main thought process from here on in. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. I mean, UAE are at this point, even at the uh, this point in the tournament, pretty much the only team that could be looking at top two or, or bottom <laughs> it two. It sums them up, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, that I agree that um, it, I think before the tournament, you'd say that in terms of sort of on paper, man for man, the, the UAE, yeah, on paper, the strongest team at this tournament. But whether they can, yeah, whether they can turn it around and get back into a habit of winning, there's not an you know, it's a short tournament and there's not a lot of time to turn that around. Whether they can pull that out of the bag, it's, yeah, it's hard to say. I think UAE is the hardest definitely the hardest team to predict where where on the table they're going to end up when all said and done here well you know looking looking to that back end you are you looking to revise any of your predictions here Bertus, or what, what do you think is going to happen <laughs> well actually i'm not going to say that the tournament's gone exactly as anticipated but i must say that my predictions have paid off rather rather well so far and uh, all the all the players i've picked seem to be making runs and taking wickets so everyone's doing as they're told <laughs> well i remember you picked uh, didn't you pick jj smith uh, who ended up being player of the series uh, in, in 2019? Uh, I, I believe so, yeah. As I say, um, uh, yeah, no, the, the, the players are very kind to me in, in essentially just bearing out my predictions, although young Asa probably needs to make some runs, though he has at least been getting out to the right people. Um, revising my predictions, I think I'm, I'm probably quite happy with my pick of, of Canada to, to take the honours here. I'm going to stick with it. It would be a bit weird to change it after they've won two games. And Jersey and P&G probably most likely to go down. But again, I, I would say that I'm less confident in all of my predictions than I was before the tournament. Uh, but I, I but yeah, but I'll be sticking to my guns. Radders, how do you see this playing out? Um, mate, honestly, UAE team, I've seen so much, obviously, over the years and, and recently. Like Bert said, just so difficult to predict. But I would like to think they can finish up the top, and then well, I've not actually seen many of the other the other teams uh, so far. But obviously, looking at Canada's results, they're they're well placed. So perhaps those two as the top two. Perhaps I'm looking at that through. Well, I was about to say great into spectacles. It's not that anymore, is it? I don't know what colours you are playing now, but um, well, pink rose rose coloured glasses. Rosy, they are pink, rosy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got their pink jerseys. That works well. All right. 
uh, it's still all up in the air and uh, no one really knows what's going to happen. So uh, an exciting tournament ahead. The next few matches playing out, of course, between the 1st and 5th of April. Um, thanks for joining us, Bertus de Jong and Paul Radley. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. Great to chat to you as well. Cheers, mate. Always a pleasure. I'm afraid uh, Radders has already shot off. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>